Welcome back, everybody. We are back after ICASA 2021. This is the special series of podcasts, and we are interviewing a number of people today um, who are just going to give us insights on the different entities that are involved with ICASA. And uh, Love Alliance, a global strategy, is present today. A global advocacy strategy focuses on supporting and strengthening key population movements to build and organize, uh, particularly by increasing uh, the presence and visibility of young key populations through partnerships and building the capacity of key population networks at uh, national and regional levels. Uh, with us today, we have uh, Florence uh, Riaco Adam, uh, Resourceful Advocacy, Policy and Communications for Development Specialists, Driving Health and development programs on a wide range of areas, uh, HIV, TB management, maternal health, reproductive health rights, and equality and social justice. Florence, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's very important for us before we even continue with the session to ask people how do they identify and what their pronouns are. So how do you identify and what are your pronouns? So I identify as um, a cis woman, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you, thank you so much for that, Florence. All right, my name is Mondi, the gay superhero, and uh, I identify as a gay queer man. My pronouns are he, him, they, them, and their. Thank you so much for joining us today, Florence. And uh, really, this has been such an informative, informative session that we're having today. And I just want you to really kindly tell us a little bit about what Love Lions is about, um, you know, for people to really get to understand it and know a lot about it. Thank you so much, Mont. So I could start by properly introducing myself, maybe. So my name is Florence Annam, and I am the program manager for Love Alliance at the Global Network of People Living with HIV, GNP+. So back to your question, the Love Alliance is a partnership of that is basically, as you rightfully said earlier, aim, aimed at building and unifying a strong Pan-African movement that um, promotes access to sexual and reproductive health and rights for people most marginalized and affected by HIV. So specifically, um, sex workers, people who use drugs, people from the LGBTQI communities, people living with HIV, and including adolescents and young people within all of these communities. The Love Alliance is funded by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands and brings together GNP+, the Global Network of People Living with HIV, AIDSPONS, who are like the fund manager, and we have thought leaders that are based in the global south um, and are networks of key populations. So Sisonke, which is the national movement of sex workers in South Africa, the Southern African network of people who use drugs, Sanpud, and the association of LGBTI people in Zimbabwe girls are thought leaders. And their job is basically to guide the advocacy work of the Alliance and to support and to you know, galvanize, ignite, and entice action from the work that they are already doing. Then we have grant makers also from the global south. We have Uhai Ashri, whose who's granting portfolio is Eastern um, Africa. And then we have um, for the North Africa part, um, Afemena is Deo, um, grants the, the organizations in the West and Central Africa. And for now, AIDS funds is a grant maker for Southern Africa region. So we are 
we are hoping to grant us about a hundred community-led organizations, um, key population-led organizations and young people-led organizations to be able to influence policy, mobilize and organize communities and raise awareness on issues around rights and health. And the work will happen in the following countries, um, Kenya, Uganda, Burundi for East Africa, Morocco and Egypt for North Africa, Mozambique, Zimbabwe and South Africa for Southern Africa, and Burkina Faso and Nigeria for West Africa. So that's basically what Love Alliance is in a nutshell. Oh, just so I, before I forget, um, in order to strengthen the country level work to the global level advocacy for which it is really relevant, we have an advocacy working group that in addition to the Love Alliance partners constitutes advocacy implementers. So that is where Y plus the network of people living with HIV, the young people's network of people living with HIV, um, Y plus global, impact, um, NSWP and input. All global key population networks are engaged as um, implementers in this alliance, but also very key global um, partners in terms of advocacy. Yeah, back to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I mean, it's quite amazing just to hear the number of people and just geographically as well, just the, the, the different uh, uh, countries that has been covered by what's actually being done by these organizations and the people that are involved in that. I think for me, it's truly remarkable to know how much of a network there is that is, that is collectively connected to create this, this awareness and this access to information that people uh, did not have any information to prior, you know? And I think for me, that's just a powerful message to be sending out and to know that all these um, organizations have a thread that one can link to. I think for me, that's just a powerful thing. So can you tell us a little Absolutely. bit more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about the outcomes of the consultations that are done by uh, Love Alliance? So this is a five-year program that just started. So I I mean, as usual with consortium and and programs that are this large in size, the first year is is pretty much about setup. But some of the things that um, have launched us into doing a lot of work either way is the kind of landscape we find ourselves globally and the trends we are in. So for example, the global AIDS strategy was developed this year. Okay, started last year, but fully developed and adopted by countries this year. And we had to engage in some way, shape, and form as a, as, as dif- individualized organizations, but also as the alliance. And so that made us quickly get organized. And we were really excited to have um, worked alongside GNP Plus and and AIDS funds within the umbrella of Love Alliance, working alongside UNAIDS to represent or to coordinate uh, civil society and community engagement process within the HLM. So that was a big space. And then of course, the, the launch of the global aid strategy itself, the political declaration, Global Fund has updated their strategy. So is PEPFA going through this. So, so that global landscape has provided so many opportunities for reaching out and trying to get consensus around what communities want and what are the things that are most affecting of all of us. So some of the key things that we've noticed and continue to see happening and we are concerned about and comes through as the issues within the global 
um, love alliance strategy at the fact that we can't lie that key populations are being left behind and continue to be excluded and they do not reach much needed HIV and sexual reproductive health and rights services. We know one of the main reasons for this is, is, is unfavorable laws that continue to criminalize people, fuel inequalities, you know, expose people to stigma, discrimination, and violence. So, so that is an, I mean, it doesn't matter, but there's this huge aspect of marginalization that we that that is 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 stemming from a fact that the structural landscape we exist in, whether social or legal, is not favorable for people to own their identities or be who they are in their rightful space and own who they are so that they can come forward for preventative or curative therapy. Then we, we've noted with concern, the civic space has been shrinking. It's been shrinking over time, but COVID sort of also exacerbated things. We've seen lockdowns and crazy directives from governments that have limited capacity for mobilizing, for example, or for, for community to particularly engage. It's been difficult to even meet at a global level and you know, have those corridor kind of planning and strategizing, et cetera. The, Things are going hybrid and shifting in that way for many of those influencing spaces, locking out a lot of people who have, you know, limited capacity to engage um, virtually, either because of lack of resources or lack of capacity, like, I mean, internet is different for different countries, but also civic space is shrinking because conservatism is growing stronger. So we are having pushback, a lot of it we saw during the high level meeting, during the global fund strategy development, during the global aid strategy of people challenging language that even has been existing through precedence. And so we have to organize and figure out how to counter this conservatism-ness and, and be able to, you know, speak out for, for, for human rights and, and access to health for all. And so that those are some of the issues that I think um, the Love Alliance is addressing. Funding, advocacy is not cheap. A speaker in, in the launch mentioned that advocacy requires funding. We need to get community voices to the right spaces. To do that, we need resources. And so this Love Alliance um, program is aimed to do that, but it's just a drop in the ocean if we want to listen to all the diversity um, of communities that need their voices heard. So pretty much um, that. You've made such amazing statements throughout this thing, you know, I mean, I think for me, it's always so important to have people have the awareness of the things that are happening in the world or the work that they're dealing with, the fact that there is lack of inclusivity, that people's gender markers are not being acknowledged, that there's people who are afraid to even embrace their specific identities. And I also love the fact that you mentioned that advocacy is something that is expensive and, 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 and it really requires a lot and it should be funded, you know, and I think it's so important that you also mentioned that we should get people who are advocates in the right spaces for them to be able to receive the kind of assistance that they need. And for me, that's just a powerful message on its own. So thank you so much for mentioning that and, and highlighting that as well. So I really want to know what is the importance of engaging KPS in programs that affect their lives? I think 
um, and 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 forgive me if I get a little personalized about this. I I I I I may not identify as a key population, but sitting from this end as a woman living with HIV, some of these the marginalization experiences are are somewhat the same. You your own person is not recognized and that in itself is disrespect. So for me, why we must engage key populations and communities in spaces is first of all, can we just start from the modicum of respect that there's a human person here whom for whom we are all sitting to have a conversation and we need to acknowledge who they are, you know? So I, I would like, I would love a situation where it's possible for people to not lump people within, you know, acronyms. And I try to, to you know, let's break it down. Who are we talking about? Because sometimes I see that that is very limiting because when countries say, yes, we have key population programs, but then gloss over certain aspects that they find, you know, connections to their public health um, systems with. So for example, you'll find countries that do more work around people who use drugs or maybe do more work around sex work, but forget gay men, forget men who have sex with men, or rather would just function on a men who have sex with men from a public health angle, not from an identity angle. So it's, it's, it's used to, to, so for me, First of all, let's just respect people and, and just identify who people are. But also, I mean, people know, the, the, the wear of the shoe knows where it pinches, right? So why we cannot have a technical response to a personalized issue. And in most cases, um, some issues for why people do not Adia or come forward for prevention or treatment services are very personalized. And we have to start thinking from that understanding. You cannot be technical about personalized issues. And so community through lived experience, which is really important, put themselves out there and share that knowledge. And sometimes I hear, oh, it's biased knowledge, it's personal, la, 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 la. But we have found ways as community to package this information in data that can be used for making decisions at country level, at global level, at regional level. So I think acknowledging that there's a lot that community can do is also really important. It's not funded. Most of the work is not funded. I see um, from the global aid strategy and the political declaration, the commitment to ensure community is engaged within the 30, 80, 60 targets but we need to be very vigilant in ensuring that this is funded because then what we will see in most cases is then the aspects around treatment could get funded, the aspects around advocacy, speaking out and offering the non-medicalized support like peer support, encouragement, counseling, those ones will not get the funding and they never get the funding and they are much needed because you can again not have the medical not supported by the social. So um, I think I went round in circles, but I hope I communicated something. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, you certainly did. I think for me, 
I appreciate the candor as well. And just like you being really honest and, and showing it that you really are passionate about this. And, and, and I think for me, we, we often negate the prejudices that exist out there, particularly in the work that we're talking about in this case, which is obviously sexual health and everything that is surrounding that. And I feel like in order for us to be able to progress forward and to see some amount of insurmountable change happening, we need to be able to be inclusive enough to be able to create those safe spaces for people to be able to kind of find uh, you know safety in, in the kind of work that is being done because we're dealing with people's you know personal feelings and emotions and all of those things i mean we cannot disregard people's ident identities especially when it comes to such a subject matter so i think it's very important and I, and I appreciate you for being so passionate about it because it shows that you really are like why are we holding ourselves back by by being so conservative by being so inconsiderate of other people and, and and not acknowledging them so i think for me that's just a powerful thing and i commend you so much for that so my, my, you know one last question i could ask you how can we reach communities uh, you know to the, to the imp for the implementation of love alliance because i think you know it's always so important for us to be talking in rooms and to be having these discussions but what can be done to make sure that we reach these communities in order for us to implement these strategies that Love Alliance has? I think one of the things we like to do sometimes is, is reinvent the wheel. My thinking is already communities have mobilized in one way or another. It may be as disjointed as A is from B, but people are there and there's some loose connections, but these connections. So, well, the Love Alliance has different people with different roles in those spaces. So the first starting point would be like for the global network of people living with HIV, who are the people you work with? Who are the peers you work with? What is there in existence already? So I think some scoping will be required for different things, whether it's finding communities or finding the work that has been done you know, so far, so we don't have to start afresh. How can we build what is existing? How can we strengthen what is already working that is maybe probably lacking in capacity or lacking in resources of, of financial or otherwise? So we have to do scoping. We have to use the partners' um, networks, but also we have to inform more that there's this opportunity to engage at country level, particularly because this is a fund that is going to really be heavily invested at the country level in those nine countries. And I think it's 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 the job of, of all partners to hold each other accountable, but also for the community to hold us accountable. So for example, I think I talked to someone today and I said, I would love a situation where as young people work towards understanding what like for example the PEP, the funding mechanism like the PEPFA process is about so they can hold you know their country and the US government accountable to their plans they hold the love alliance accountable to say of your spending this year how much went to young key populations what was it used for and that is the kind of accountability we need to open ourselves up to if we want to be inclusive in my view and um, then we will reach more people because then they will know these options to engage, plan together. You can't account, be account, hold people accountable to something you didn't plan together for. So, so basically that. I would also like to say um, that, that most of the grant makers are using a participatory approach, granting system. So the grantees really, the, the, the networks decide who gets the grant and then the grantees decide what kind of programming, which is really um, interesting because it's not top down, it's not prescriptive, 
people then identify their own issues, their own mechanisms that work in their own contexts, and then use that. Because usually prescriptive um, provisions for funding have locked out communities from funding or made it impossible for communities to implement well. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunities here and there. We just need to probably talk a little bit more through your podcasts and various other opportunities to let people know about the Love Alliance and its opportunities. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Florence. I think it's amazing to, to inform people and to let them know about the different yeah, funding opportunities and the grants that are available to them. I think for me, that's just an amazing thing to be able to highlight as well and to just celebrate that. So thank you so much for joining us in today's podcast session. I think you were really quite informative and I really love the work that Love Alliance has been doing. So thank you so much, Florence Anam. Thank you for having me and good luck with the rest of the podcast. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, that was Florence Anam who joined us under today's podcast as well. Uh, they are from the Resourceful Advocacy and Policy and Communications for Development Specialists, driving health and development programs on a wide range of areas, uh, some being HIV, TB management, and maternal health and reproductive health rights, equality, and social justice. And I think one thing that I walked away from this session is the passion um, that they had and the candor that they had to be able to just say that we need to be more inclusive enough, and that's what they're fighting for. And I'm really, really proud of the work that Love Alliance is doing. So please do make sure and keep staying tuned right here on our podcast uh, with Ikasa. Uh, my name is Mondi, the gay superhero. 